This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokertov, good morning. How are you? Bokertov, um, just a couple of things that I'd meant to say yesterday, just to update listeners a little bit. First of all, I'd meant to uh, just remind people that Israel moved to the winter clock over the weekend. So currently we are on the same time zone now as South Africa and that will continue until approximately Pesach time. So for now, we're on the same time zone. The other thing I just wanted to mention was a discussion that we had last week about the names that were being broadcast into Gaza on a, on a roll, and you asked how far it was from the border to the nearest civilian areas in the Gaza Strip, and I took a guess at around, I think I said 20 kilometers, but in fact, that's in, that is entirely wrong, because... The Gaza Strip, at its very widest, is nine kilometers wide. And that's in the very, very south of the Gaza Strip. Mm. That's actually the widest area. That's like on the Egyptian border. At the area that we were talking about, it's more like five kilometers wide from the border to the sea. So the civilian areas are literally a kilometer or so from the border, easily within walking distance from the border, and as we've seen in terms of the hostages. Um, and so it's actually much, much closer than even I imagined mm. um, because the strip itself is very narrow. Um, it goes, I think, from around five to nine kilometers all the way down and uh, getting broader as it goes south. The other thing I just wanted to uh, go back to was my discussion yesterday about the United Nations. And uh, we have an update from the United Nations in terms of an address that was given yesterday at the Security Council by the Israeli ambassador to the United Nations, Gilad Erdan. And he, together with the rest of the Israeli delegation, turned up at the United Nations Security Council wearing yellow stars on their jackets with the term, with the words, never again inside the yellow star. And the power of this was just incredible for me, along with some of the words that he said in his address, and I'd like to quote some of them with your permission mm, before we sure. go into talking about released hostages, because I think it's immensely powerful. And he said the following, when Jewish babies were burned in Auschwitz, the world was silent. And today, Jewish babies were burned in Be'eri and the towns of the South by the Nazi Hamas, and the world is silent again. I will make you remember the shame of your silence every time you look at me. I will wear the yellow patch until the Nazi Hamas is eliminated, and until the Security Council stops being silent and condemns the October the 7th massacre. Some of you have learned nothing in the last 80 years. Some of you have forgotten why the United Nations was founded. So I will remind you, from today on, every time you look at me, you will remember. When my grandfather and his children were sent to Auschwitz, the world was silent. When his wife and their seven children were sent to the gas chambers, the world was silent. When their bodies were burned alongside millions of Jewish babies, the world was silent. 
If this council had convened in June 1944, it would have dealt with the amount of fuel the Nazis had and the high death toll Germany had compared to Britain. You would have called for a ceasefire even before the Russians took over Stalingrad. So obviously trying to compare the current situation with what happened during the Shoah, the results of which are now very, very clear and understood, and trying to somehow equate the two together. I think there is a significant difference in all of this. And, of course, that is the Jewish state, which is in existence, Mm -hmm. which was actually the target of the attack. But we're back. The Jewish state is here to defend not only the um, citizens of Israel, but indeed Jews around the world. And uh, we can talk about uh, the importance of yesterday's hostage events, because I think that that shows that um, the strength of having the Jewish state as opposed to what we had to endure those 80 years ago. Absolutely incredible. Let's just uh, talk about this hostage situation because we had two distinct events that took place yesterday. Take us through those. So the first event was the release of this dreaded video showing these three ladies um, who are hostages in Gaza. Um, One of them addressed her comments to the prime minister saying that he had let um, the citizens of Israel down and really coming out very, very strongly in criticism of the Prime Minister. This was a video that was released on social media yesterday by Hamas and um, it's had a kind of a mixed reaction in Israel because in some senses, of course, the, the, the official response to this was this is Hamas's psychological warfare uh, in an attempt to try to somehow weaken Israel's resolve in order to try and somehow split um, the Israeli population um, between those who are supporting the government. But but very much, I think, taking advantage of Netanyahu's mistake or gaffe in in tweeting what he tweeted and then deleting it. I think that he saw, whoever decided on this, saw the weakness there and just went for it. Potentially so, potentially so. And, you know, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, however, you know, the, the video was um, disheartening in many respects because, of course, it, while it is a sign of life um, and people are clearly up to date because those that woman who spoke spoke about the meeting, the press conference that had been held with families, the hostages, they were clearly updated as to what has been going on. Mm. Um, and so um, it was a little disheartening because, of course, um, the, criticism t- the criticism towards the prime minister and um, one of the TV hosts um, actually came out saying, um, I want you all to know <clears throat> that, <clears throat> excuse me, if, <clears throat> if I, I am put on TV and I make a statement similar to what that woman said, that it has nothing to do with the guns that are around me, that are being pointed at me, that is coming from the heart. I would really mean that. If I was saying it, even if I'd been forced to say it from a script, because, of course, the Israeli government had come out saying she was reading from a script mm, and she was forced mm. to say this. And, of course, there is a strong feeling on the ground of, of exactly what she's um, what, what the, those words that she expressed. So it did certainly drive a little bit of a wedge through the heart of Israeli society. And as you say, in the in the in the aftermath of that uh, stupid statement that was put out by the prime minister the previous day. But. Fortunately for us, that event was quickly overtaken by an announcement that Private Ori Megiddish, uh, who was an IDF soldier serving along 
the Gaza border on October the 7th and was kidnapped on that day had actually been freed by IDF forces operating in the Gaza Strip. So this was a massive, massive moment in this conflict when she was released by IDF forces. In other words, this wasn't a prisoner swap. This wasn't something that was done by Hamas to show some goodwill. This wasn't negotiated with Qatar. This was IDF forces operating in the Gaza Strip. And what um, I can only imagine was probably an elimination of the group of hostage takers who were holding her in order to release her and grab her and bring her back to her family, um, which was announced with a lot of joy. And uh, a big party held at her family home last night in order to celebrate her return. And of course, um, a lot of um, a lot of relief and 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 and, and a, a uplifting emotional experience for many of the citizens of Israel. Why is this one hostage among so many so important? I think that this is a victory to show that, in spite of the lapse that took place on October the 7th that allowed this massacre to take place, the IDF is back. We are back. This is a moment to show that we have regained control of the situation, mm-hmm. that we have the force, we have the power, we have the ability, and now we're actually carrying out what we said we would do in order to reinforce um, the control that we need to have in order to secure our borders. And so I think that this is a massive moral, morally uplifting moment, morale uplifting moment mm-hmm. um, within Israel and potentially around and the world. Of course, we don't forget the more than 300 hostages who continue to be held in Gaza. The number gets updated constantly, and it's now reached something like 330, with the addition of um, quite a few names of Thai foreign workers Hmm. who apparently have also been abducted into Gaza. And so there's been a constant updating of the list of those who've been abducted. One name that was on the list of people who've abducted has now been confirmed as having been killed. Uh, and I'm not quite sure how that confirmation was made, whether the body was found or whether evidence was discovered. We, there, there is a lot of information, <clears throat> excuse me, about what's going on in Gaza right now that we are not being fed. We don't know exactly. We just get told <clears throat> the number's been updated. Um, something here happened, there's a funeral happening over there. We're not really quite sure how all of this is taking place, and I'm guessing there's a lot still to be um, explained. But certainly more than 300 people, including men, women, children, we've seen the pictures, we've seen the, the TV adverts are out. <clears throat> they, um, um, the, the list is, is being constantly updated, including now those foreign workers. So um, this is a significant um, issue that continues to accompany us as um, the IDF goes forward in their mm. battle yeah. in Gaza. I, I'm just fascinated by the by the successful rescue of one hostage. I would have thought that many hostages would the hostages would have been held at least in groups. I mean, I can't imagine that all two or three hundred would have been held together. And from, from what we understand, is they've been dispersed throughout Gaza. But it's interesting to note that just one 
woman was one person was released uh, or, or, or was not released was freed uh, it's it's yeah. just so interesting that that um, that this is how it's working the, the there was a great deal of speculation about how that could have happened and, and a lot of people had the same um, questions and views as you do um, the official announcement came out saying that she'd been held alone um, by one of the Gazan factions. So it seems as if, though, the hostages were either taken or have been spread out amongst different factions within Gaza. They're not all necessarily being held by Hamas. And in the case of Ori Megiddish, um, the statement saying that she was held alone and that for at least some of the time she was held by Hamas. So, again, I don't know what that means, whether she'd been moved hands from one group to another and whether she'd been held alone all the time. There was some speculation as to whether it might have not happened that some of the others that were held with her could have been killed in the operation to free her, and we're just not being told about the fact that they've been killed during that operation. You know, lots and lots of speculation because um, there isn't the freest flow of information about details, operational details on the ground. Um, and so there was quite a lot of speculation which forced the, um, the government to formally announce that she had been held alone and that she'd been held for some of the time by Hamas. Mm. Not more than that. Not more than that. Um, but it's quite interesting that there's been quite a lot of communication by the IDF with citizens in Gaza. Lots of pamphlet dropping to send information out to people as to what they should be doing, how they should be behaving, encouraging them to do certain things. Um, there was one pamphlet drop that said, if you wish to give yourselves up to our forces, this is what you need to do. Put your hands up, send us a WhatsApp message, send us a, a, a communication via Telegram. You needn't bring food and water and clothing because we will provide that to you. We will provide you with safety, whatever, in order to try to encourage people to know that the Israeli forces, as opposed to the civilian population, are not at war with each other and that those civilians who do wish to give themselves up would be welcome to come and give themselves up and treated humanely by the Israelis. Um, that was one pamphlet drop. Another pamphlet dropped immediately after the hostage was freed yesterday was um, to warn other groups holding hostages that they will suffer the same fate as the hostage takers suffered yesterday. Now, what that fate is exactly, we don't know. But I suspect that they were probably eliminated during the time that the hostage was freed. But again, another pamphlet dropped to try to encourage people to behave in a slightly different way in order to somehow get these hostages freed. Yeah, it's uh, and of course the the hate that uh, all of us are seeing on on social media very very difficult to mm. to 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 function in the space at the moment. Any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the hate that people that we're all suffering at the moment is coming from different places. So my personal view is that the hate hasn't increased or decreased um, because there are a lot of people also coming out being very supportive. I think that those people who are coming out showing hate are people who have always had an inherent hate of some sort or another, but they somehow at the moment feel empowered to say it publicly, to come out loudly mm, mm. and say it more publicly in terms of what they really think, or perhaps that hate lay a little dormant in their system and from time to time came out, 
but now it's come out very, very strongly as a result of recent events. And the haters generally like to use a tirade of pre-existing terms, such as occupation and genocide and blockade. You know, these are the terms that are generally thrown out by the haters because they don't really know the arguments. They know that these are very emotive terms, apartheid, very emotive terms that get things going and, you know, that are often used in this conflict. But all of those terms have no basis. And I'd like to start just by saying to people, listeners out there in terms of um, getting the facts right within your own minds, that for those people who think that this is a fight over land, you are mistaken. This is not a fight over land. The land was offered to the Arabs in 1947 at the UN partition. The land actually was taken in 1948 during the War of Independence and governed over by a variety of, of Arab countries. The land has been in Arab possession since 2005 when Israel unilaterally land handed Gaza over to then the Palestinian Authority. Subsequently, it was taken over Hamas. But the land has been in the hands of entities which are not Israel for the longest time. So this is not an argument about land, or at least not about that land. Maybe the argument is about our land that we have and uh, an attempt to try and not grab the land but potentially move us out of the land. That may well be because this is not an argument over land. This is an argument over ideology. So I think we need to first of all understand that that's not going to change over time by land changes and a Palestinian state here and there. That's not going to change. And people who think that there is a, an occupation, there is no occupation because the land since 2005, at least and even before that, we could argue, has been mm. occupied by those people who claim they're being occupied. They mm. occupy the land. They have control over it. This is not about the occupation. There is no genocide because the population has increased dramatically during the time that the genocide claims have been made. So that doesn't sound like a genocide to me. There is no apartheid because Israel has had no control over what goes on in Gaza, at least for the last 18 years. So there's no possible way of accusing Israel of apartheid. And if people thought that what the Palestinians wanted was a state, then they were handed a state on a golden platter. And what they did with that state was they built it in order to attack Israel. That was the purpose of that state. They built these underground tunnels and these attacking capabilities and arms and ammunition, not to defend themselves, not to defend themselves because they had no need to defend themselves if they were gone about building a state. What they've done is they've built an attack platform in order to destroy the Jewish state. So I think we need to just get a few things right. And if anybody throws these terms at you, then you can quite justifiably ask them to explain what they mean by occupation. What occupation are we talking about? What blockade are we talking about? What genocide are we talking about? It simply doesn't exist. Convenient words to sound informed, all false. And uh, that is where we leave it. Very important indeed and very helpful. It is 8.01. Anthony Reich, thank you as always. We'll catch you tomorrow morning at 7.45. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. 
All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Tzahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all.